Good evening. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight we're going to talk about keys to success. Yeah, keys to success. That's a success is an interesting concept. It's an interesting topic. Uh, the it is defined in the dictionary as the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. Uh, unfortunately, for a lot of people in the world, success is material goods, money, fame, fortune, things like that. Um, as a matter of fact, the uh, self-help industry in 2019 was worth $11 billion. Wow. If that worked, we'd be a lot, there'd be a lot more successful people. Wow. Um, apparently, Actually, helping yourself doesn't work very well if you've got to ask somebody else how to help you. Well, doesn't we, that, doesn't, the whole concept of a self-help is strange. You buy a book to have somebody else tell you how to help yourself. Or you go to a seminar and pay somebody to tell you how to help yourself. It just doesn't seem to work. Uh, it doesn't work for me. Well, when you said this was Shannon's idea, mm-hmm. keys to success. Right. Well, well, let's just see how it goes. Because, you know, sometimes I have, I question this sometimes. Right. But I, I think it's because we live in the world, but we're supposed to be not of the world, but we live in the world. And there's just a whole, uh, there's a tension there. So, Well, I think the difference is, though. I think, and I think we'll get to this as we go through this. I think we need what we need to really focus on is what is success. Yes. What is what does success really mean? Not what the world's saying it is, because if that's all it is, you it'll fail. I have a quote here I really like from a man named Jack Hiles. It says, "Success is on the same road as failure. Success is just a little farther down the road." Huh. I like that concept because, well, in a lot of the trainings that I've I've done and teaching. I always like the concept of failing forward. That you either win or you learn. If you don't win, then you learn. Same thing when I'm coaching. Anything, I, anytime you don't win, at least you can learn from it. So a success or failure is just just a, another way to make you just better at something. But in our Christian life, I think we can all agree that the, the longer we spend on our walk, the longer we spend with God, the longer we spend um, in this in this Christian life the more comfortable we get with it and the more success we'll find. Okay, true. But here, this is what I wrote this morning because I was thinking about this, but we're going to talk about this tonight. And I looked up uh, Keys to Success in Life because that's a real catchy little tune. Mm-hmm. And or Keys to Success. And there's one from lifehack.org, Three Keys to Success in Life by an Eric Forley. He gave you three goals, and they're not bad goals, uh, or, or three steps. One, write down your goals. Two, create a powerful belief system. And his was a belief system in yourself. And three, invest in yourself. So he's saying, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. And okay, so let's, 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 let's draw those three down to simple things. Number one was what? Write down your goals. Okay, have a goal. Number two? Create a powerful belief system. Belief system. Number three? Invest in yourself. Okay, I'm going to write those down because I'm going to use those later. You keep going. Okay, good. Because that's not what this is about. I was going to say something else. Okay, okay but keep going. His, his is from a, a worldly standpoint to have worldly success. And we're not saying there's anything wrong with having success in this world as far as monetary, fame, any of that. If God brings that stuff into your life, 
and it comes by way of you working hard, wonderful. But I do think that if you have some kind of worldly success, God allowed it for his purposes. But anyway, something I wrote after this, I wrote those three things down and I said, problem comes when we live one way and want the other. We live God's way, but we still are, part of us are still wanting worldly success. So that's where the the tension comes. Right. And then God often, this I'll, I'll just finish what I wrote. God often gives success according to world standards, but that kind of success is never to lift us up, to make us prideful. It is for his purposes. So if you, and it is often because a person works really hard or they have a business mindset. I mean, we all have different gifts. So, uh, I know I'm kind of going off target here. No, no, that's fine. And okay. I'm going to run with it just a little right, bit with what you said here. Um, the first thing that this, this person. person was talking about in a worldly way was we have to have goals. Well, what are our goals as a Christian? What are our goals? Love God and love people. Okay, Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and or with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? okay. That was that, That's laid out there, too. But I think there's other goals. I want to be a successful husband. I want to be a successful father. I want to be a successful provider. I want to be a successful pastor, a successful leader, a successful follower when I need to be a follower. I want to be a successful teacher. Um, These are all things that the Bible actually addresses. If you want a self-help book, there's nothing better than the Bible. It talks about all those things. If you're going to be good at something, this is how you should do it. Um, The successful father one, I I really like that one. Uh, I'm going to take a, a passage here from 1 Kings. This is David. David talking to Solomon, all right? And he says, Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. So right there, the first father to son, this is how you're going to be successful in the world concept I want to bring up is what David says to Solomon. Just walk in obedience. Hmm. And keep everything he commands, just walk in obedience. When that happens, you'll prosper in whatever you do. And I think one of the things that we can get caught up in a worldly way is it doesn't matter what you do. Okay. If you do it for God, you can be successful. It doesn't matter. If you are the CEO of a corporation and you're doing it for God, your corporation will probably do much better. Now, you might also be able to do that by being underheaded and sneaky and and very anti-biblical, but eventually that's going to fail. Another quote I got here is from Peter Marshall. It says, it's better to fail in a cause that will ultimately succeed than to succeed in a cause that will ultimately fail. Mm. So our goal in the end is reunification with God. Our goal in the end is heaven. Mm -hmm. That's the ultimate goal. That's the finish line. As Paul says, run the race so that you in in a way that you will win that is our finish line so anything we do between now and that finish line should be going in that direction right so if our goal is to have as much money when we die as possible you might reach that goal but that's an empty goal that's an that's right. an empty you could be successful in that but you'd be a failure in the end i think our goal is heaven right so I think if my... that if our goal is heaven then what we do in between is what counts 
I think my problem is with the word success. Because mm-hmm. it has so many connotations with money and, well, it and does. fame. It, it and, does in your mind. Well, it doesn't necessarily. I remember uh, as a kid, one of the books, we, or magazines we always had sitting around was Successful Farming. Now, that wasn't mean terribly wealthy cutthroat farming. That was, just means you were good at what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And I think you can be a successful mother, a successful homemaker, a successful um, businessman, a successful nurse, a successful doctor. Um, all of those things just means that you are reaching goals. Like it says, the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. Um, Maybe I'd like but to- I think we need to look at this not from the world's view of success again, but from God's view of success. Right. So when are we going to reach those things? Well, I did have, I have Jesus's view of success. Okay, go ahead. He had really, I found five things that first live in him. John 15, 4 says, abide in me. Right? Mm-hmm. John 15, 4. Look, at, look it up here. I think that's one of the first things. Yeah, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So I think one of, to live successfully, according to Jesus, the first thing is to live in him. Mm-hmm. And then to bear fruit. Because John fifteen sixteen says, Jesus says to us, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So, Another successful thing, according to Jesus, is we're bearing fruit. Okay. And I'm going to come back to that in a second, too. Um, I want to take Go one, ahead. Go one ahead. step one step farther. We had Solomon talking, or David talking to Solomon. Right. Now, in Proverbs, Solomon is talking to his sons. And in Proverbs 3, 1 through 4, he says, My son, do not forget your te- my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on, on the tablet of your heart. Then you will, win, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. If you look at the people that you think have got it all together okay, and have got it figured out, people yeah. that you would use as a role model, right? are they not godly people? I would say they would be godly people. Okay. I love people that have that love of God in their heart. Mm-hmm. I love people that have the peace of God in their heart. I love people that are that are joyful in everything they do. That is a God thing. And so if we keep God's teachings in us and we, we keep his commands and we, th- and we focus on God, everything else comes. Everything else works. Sometimes. See, I, I see... I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I, I have here... Think of both both these men were, were godly men and prophets of God, Daniel mm-hmm. and Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it says in Daniel 6.28, So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And we know God used Daniel big time. I mean, he had visions. Uh, you know, he's thrown in with the lions. We know this. But then God used Jeremiah too, and the people hated him. And uh, Jeremiah was not liked. Jeremiah was thrown in a cistern to be killed, but they saved a, a eunuch saved him. He was put in jail. He was taken against his will to Egypt. And then I got this from just Britannica. According to a tradition uh, that's preserved in extra-biblical sources, 
uh, Jeremiah was stoned to death by his exasperated fellow countrymen in Egypt because they're so sick and tired of hearing him prophesy. But he, okay. too, was a success in God's eyes. Exactly. That's it. And he is still a success in our eyes. Right. Now, but, maybe not the people of his time. Right. They didn't appreciate him. No, and they killed them. Think of the, what, yeah, but think of the apostles. Were they successful in evangelism? Yes. Look at their ends. Right. Most of them were killed. Most of them were killed, but they were successful. And if you ask them today, were you successful in your mission for God? They would say yes. Correct. Yes, I don't so disagree. I, I'm not saying, I, I, you're disagreeing with me on what success is because it doesn't mean that it's automatic, you're going to be blessed by everything, or it's going to happen today, or um, it's all going to be about being blessed today, but you will be blessed by God. And that blessing by God may not take the the uh, format you're thinking of necessarily, because too many times we think of blessings as being what the gifts are. If we look at the giver instead of the gift, we get a better uh, concept of success. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to glorify God. That's our purpose on the earth. That's why we're here. So if we are successful, then the glory of God will increase. Mm-hmm. And God says, I'll take care of all the details. I, I, I'm, we will never be wealthy people. It just won't happen. That's not God's plan for us. I, I just I know that. That's not God's plan for us. But we are provided for. We're sitting here on a cold day. April 3rd in South Dakota, we got a really good amount of snow in the last two days. It went from 60 to single digits. Um, and we're sitting in a snug little house that we didn't build, that we didn't buy, but we're renting from someone who had this place sitting here as if God was holding it for us, and I think he was. So I think God takes care of us in these ways. And I think the the true path to success, I agree with you, goes through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first step. The path to success is through Jesus Christ. Without him, we can't do anything else. But when we do accept him, that's when the path to success starts. The transformation starts when we accept Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. I think that's where the success starts. Because without Jesus, we know we will never be successful. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if it's impossible to get to the Father without Jesus, that first step has to be, okay, I need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Once that happens and that transformation happens that and, and the Spirit fills you, then you are a new person and now you are on the road to success. Until then, you're just wandering. Right. I guess when I, I have such a problem with the word success, but I think success is... We're being having a successful life when we're bearing fruit, spiritual fruit, when our faith is growing stronger, and we're loving God and people. I, I agree. I, I don't think know that's why. Success. I don't. Then I don't think we need to be hung up over the word success. But I, I think you're right. If if there's a if you plant and it's springtime and we're getting piles of catalogs with flowers and giant fruit in them and all those things that you think, mm-hmm. oh, that'd be so lovely. And then sometimes you plant it and it doesn't turn out looking the way you wanted it to or they die. Um, thank you, Gurneys. They replaced an apple tree we planted last year because it died and they guaranteed it. 
Unfortunately, it came yesterday. This week. It came this week, so it's sitting on our porch and we can't plant it in the snow. But we have pictures in our minds of this these trees full of beautiful fruit. It's going to take a few years. We're going to plant the trees on faith that they're going to get fruit out of there. But a plant or a tree or a vine that produces fruit would be considered successful. Mm-hmm. If we have an apple tree that's giving us apples, that's two thumbs up. That's as su- successful as that tree can be. Galatians five twenty two through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit... Now this is where that accepting Jesus mm-hmm. and going through there, this is where that new creation takes over. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if we are filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then we're bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. And that I would qualify, if I could find someone that had all those characteristics, mm-hmm. I'd say that's a successful person. And I don't care what they do for a living. Right, right. It's not about acclamation from the world. Right. It's not about being successful to a world standard. It's not about making lots of money, having fancy houses and cars. That's not success. No. Success is, is contentedness and peace and joy. Mm-hmm. Not joy because you have things, but joy because you are. Because you are a child of God and you are following God and you know you're in God's will. That will bring you so much joy. And nothing else gives us lasting everlasting, eternal joy, but God. Mm-hmm. So the key to success, first of all, is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Without him, you're never going to get there. Secondly, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Hit Jesus, accept him, the Spirit indwells you, you stay in tune with God, you stay keeping his commands, as, as David and Solomon were both saying, if you live within the will of God, the Spirit will, will live within you and be fruitful, and you will be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. I think that's success. That's what I I deem as successful. As a teacher, what do I want to see in the classroom? Right now we're in these absolutely weird, unprecedented times where we're dealing with having to uh, teach kids that aren't in our classrooms. That's a challenge. It's a big challenge for me to try and, and do that. I mean, I can give homework out, but that's not teaching. I'm trying to find a way to teach while I am not with the kids, and that that's a challenge. But for me as a teacher, not a, everybody getting an A in my class is not success. Well, for me, success is when I see a light bulb come on and I see learning. I see growth. And that growth doesn't have to, that growth could be someone getting a D because it's the best they can possibly do. If they're working hard and they're learning, that's success. And I, I laud that. I praise them for that. I tell them, I am so happy that you're doing better. I am so happy that you're learning. If I can get people, kids to do that, then I know they're going to be successful because they're willing to try. The same thing, I, I think God looks at us kind of the same way. His idea of success for us, are you trying? Because we know we fail. And God's grace will help pick us up from that. But he wants us to try. He wants us to do. 
He wants us to go out and do. And if you fail, I'll pick you back up. The um, Mark eight thirty four through 37 in the message says, Calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Hmm. I thought that was really good. Yeah. I've got one here, too, and this is from Matthew. And, and we, Jane did a painting at the church that's hanging up. It's got part of this one in there, but... I'm in Matthew 6, uh, 25 through 32. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples and to everybody else who was listening to him. This wasn't just to his disciples, but this was to everyone. He said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So initially he talks about um, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Is life is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So right off the bat, he tells us very clearly here, all the material gains in the world are nothing. Because God will give you that. Right. If you do what you're supposed to. So picking it up in 28, he says, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, worry saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I'm not, this is not a, a, some sort of prosperity thing where I'm saying you're going to get wealthy if you're a Christian, because that's not what is being said here. What's being said here is if you stop focusing on the minimals, the little things, like the needs that you have physically, and you start thinking of the heavenly things and going there, the needs that you have physically will be taken care of. It's all on what you put your eyes on. Mm-hmm. I've never been a runner. I've never enjoyed distance running. When I was in the Army, they made us run distance. And because I wanted to be successful as a soldier, I would run. Not for joy. I've heard people say, oh, when I run, I get that runner's high, the endorphins kick in, I just go to another place. I go to another place too, and it's not nearly as enjoyable as they do. I don't like that. However, one of the things I learned early on is that when I was running for distance, I hated running on a track. Sometimes we had to run on a track, and I hate running on a track. I would rather run in a straight line. And I realize in myself what that means is I know where the end is. From running laps in a circle, my brain doesn't kick in and see this. I don't see a finish line. But if I'm running in a straight line to where I want to reach... I can keep my mind on that goal, and I can say it's just this much farther, it's just this much farther. And I can, in my head, I'm seeing the stages going through it. I'm going here, I'm over halfway, I'm going farther. 
I know for some people it doesn't bother them to run around the track, but if I got to do eight laps around the track, it's miserable. If I got to go two miles, I'll survive it. Eight laps feels like forever because I don't seem like feel like I'm getting anywhere. It's like running on a treadmill. I can't stand running on a treadmill because I don't I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. So many times in life, I think people that are seeking worldly success are running on treadmills. They can run very fast. They can run very hard. They can sweat. They can run faster than anybody else in the room. But when the treadmill stops, you're all still standing in the same room. And that's because they're focusing on the wrong thing. Their goal is not God. If, if we look at life as being uh, all about the perishable goods, then we're perishable. Then there's nothing else. And that's why I think Jesus says, you know, don't worry about these little things in life. Think about the big things. You know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Look at that first. Is what I'm doing right with God? If that's the case, then I'm running the race the way I'm supposed to and I have the right goal. I'm running to God. Our life is is a race to God. Now, we're not racing to beat somebody else. We're just racing to get there. Heaven help me if if God ever told me to run a marathon. I don't think he will. My knees have become allergic to to, uh, running in these past few years. But I would never run a marathon with the intent of beating the person next to me. All I want to do is run my race and get to the finish line. And that's the analogy with the marathon that I like, is everybody I've talked to that runs marathons, that's what they say. I just want to run till I'm done. I want to run to the finish. I want to make it. Mm-hmm. It's it's that mountain climbing concept. I get to the tip of the mountain. That's that's success. How I got there, how long it took me, how hard it was, that doesn't matter. I just want to get there. And I think if we take, like you said, those three points. Number one, having the goals. If our goal is God, if our goal is heaven, if our goal is God, that's the first thing. That your first step towards success is knowing where you're going. Number two, the second thing he mentioned was a belief system. And he talked about um, various things there. But from a, from a Christian perspective, our belief system is laid out pretty handily in the Bible. We have so much guidance from Old Testament prophets and the figures of the Old Testament um, all the way through the New Testament on to Revelation. It is just absolutely full of guidance in there for how to do the things that God wants us to do. Oh, well, yeah. I um I was looking at Jesus gave us examples of success too. Mm-hmm. He uh in Mark twelve forty one through forty four is when when they have uh the widow puts in two co- coins. Mm-hmm see, I'm going to read that to you. Mark sure. 12, 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the multitude were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, 
all she had to live on. And so he, she, he I don't even think he probably even talked to her. He just was watching mm-hmm. and said, there is a, that was successful giving those two little coins. Cause she gave out of her, out of her poverty. And I, well, and I think because she gave from her heart. Yeah. And because her heart said to give the world would have told her, you need to keep that. You don't have enough to share. Right. But Jesus sat with his disciples and gave them that example, I think, as a way to give a physical manifestation of what he thought success was. Mm-hmm. Not a poor old widow. The world, just in general, would look at a poor widow as being unlucky, unsuccessful, especially in those times. Even now. Yeah. But Jesus looks and says, boy, look at how good she's doing. And then I had some of the other, I got mm-hmm. two more examples that Jesus gave as he... Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a little slow today. He had four people he said were great, had such great faith. First was the Roman soldier mm-hmm. who said, I, you don't have to come to my house. I understand. I'm, I'm, I have men under me and I say go and they go. And so mm-hmm. he knew all Jesus had to say was the word. And Jesus says, I've never seen such faith. And he said that. And then we have the, the Gentile, the Canaanite woman. Mm-hmm. who he praises her for her faith even after he tries to push her away in a sense. Mm-hmm. And those were both Gentiles. And then also, and this is this last one, another the another person who the society would have said was pathetic, and I'm sure they did say was pathetic. This is when, and he went, and a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had and endured much at the hands of many physicians, had spent all she had and wasn't helped at all, but rather had grown worse. So, I mean, she's been taken advantage by all these people who are supposed to help her. After hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him, excuse me, and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I shall get well. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You know, if it had been another... So he said his disciples thought he was crazy, wondering, saying that, of course, he was touched, but he knew what he was talking about, and he he gave that woman peace and and permission to go and face rather than sulk away. I don't know. I, well, I, I agree. And all four of those things you just had there is the last point of those three that were going on, and that is faith. Yeah. All four of those people were faithful. And... The Roman leader, the Roman military man, mm-hmm. he was successful as a master over his slave. He was successful over people he was leading and taking care of because of his faith. The Canaanite woman, she was successful as a parent. True. Because she was willing to sacrifice everything for her child. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the widow, she was successful as a giver. She gave from her heart everything that she had. Mm -hmm. Successful. Again, in Jesus' eyes, he's explaining these things. And the last one you talked about, 
that woman had been to every possible doctor she could have had, she could have gone to and, and put put herself through everything she could have to be healed, and none of it worked. Right, and they took all so the she money. was successfully healed by her own faith. So when I when you say all those things, I think Jesus just kept laying it out over and over and over and over again. It is the faithful that are successful. It is the faithful that succeed. It is the faithful that are doing what they're meant to do. Um, a lot of this, the reason I picked this topic comes back around to uh, the book of Joshua because I've been in there. I've been meditating on the word, if you if you will, on Joshua quite a bit. And in the beginning of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, God is talking to Joshua. And he says, and I'm going to go verse 7 through 9. I just want to put that out there towards the end here. He says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I know it says you will be prosperous and successful. It says that in, in, in the words there. But the part where I think the true success comes, it says, For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, when I step back again and I look at those people that I think are successful, that are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, that's because we see God reflected in them. They're bearing the fruit of their Father. And I think that is true success. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think that's... I, one last thing I want to share. Jesus' last lesson to his disciples before he went to the cross mm-hmm. was, um, and you can say it's about success, it was to be a servant to all. Because that was when he washed their feet. And he went around, he t- took off his his robe, and he... he uh, girded a towel around him and he walked around and washed all their feet and he says to them this is in John 13 if I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet John 13 14 do as I did to you and he says and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That Those last two verses were in Mark 10, 44 and 45. And I guess, you know, that's what I think. Now, if you think it's your last day with your pupils and you have to tell them one last lesson, mm-hmm. and his lesson was to serve. And that that is wrapping us up to another topic we can go into another time. There's... Um, I think about the parable of the talents. And we'll talk about that another time, but we're we're wrapping our time up here right now. So I just I would I would hope that as we walk away from this, we take a look forward at what our goals truly are. And you know what? One of the blessings of being a follower of Jesus, one of the blessings of being a Christian, one of the blessings of following God's commands is the grace that He gives us to adjust those goals. So if you look at your life right now and your goals aren't set where they need to be, if you're not finding joy, if you're not finding peace, if you're not finding contentment and patience and love, uh, 
Your goals are probably wrong. Just adjust the goal. If you adjust the goal, you'd be shocked at how successful you can be. Put your eyes upon Jesus. Thanks for listening. God bless.